Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time. Thank you, Lord, that you have blessed us in this past week. Thank you that we are in your holy hours even now. And Lord, we just ask for your Holy Spirit to sanctify our hearts and our minds. Help us to understand your word, O Lord. Help us to see how these words will be applicable to us this day. And help us, O Lord, that we might grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Savior this evening. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We are continuing our Encounters series, and this evening we are studying Jesus' encounter with the ten lepers. And we're going to start here in our first text, found in Luke 17 and verse 11. The Bible says, And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Jesus was going through the midst of Samaria. He didn't pass through Samaria and then through Galilee. It was the border between these two countries, Samaria and Galilee. And you'll be able to see on the map here that Galilee and Samaria, this is the ancient uh, map of Galilee, but you see there in the south of it that Samaria is borders with Galilee. So Jesus He was just walking between the borders of these two countries. And this is what we find in Luke 17, verse 12 and 13. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, friends, remember that this village is right between the borders of Samaria and Galilee. And there was this group of 10 lepers that cried out to Jesus from afar off. Now, it can't be, it can't have been in the village because lepers, they weren't allowed in. It was a contagious disease. People were deadly afraid of leprosy. There was no cure for it. So that's the reason why they stood far off. Jesus must have been in the village or near to being in the village. And so they dared not come too close, but they cried out. They cried out to Jesus as he was just about to go in there. And they're asking for help. And look, what does it mean today that these people were standing afar off? We know that leprosy, in a sense, represents sin. It makes us outcasts of the children of Israel. We can't be part of God's people. It represents people who have leprosy. They represent sinners. But then they are standing afar off. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 12 and 13. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Do you see that? Those that are far off are made nigh or made close by the blood of Christ. What does those people that are standing afar off, who do they represent? It is those that are sinners, those that are living in sin, those that are lost. They've not been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. They don't dare to come close to Jesus or in a sense, the church today. And so they are wanting to be healed though. 
even though they're standing afar off, they realize that this is not the life that they should be living and they want healing. They want to be full and whole in Christ, but they're probably scared to come to church. But these people, they're asking for mercy. They're asking for healing. They already recognize Jesus as their master, as their teacher, as their healer. And so they probably heard of his great works of miracles in healing other people, the lame, the blind, and even other lepers. We find in Mark chapter 1 verse 40 that Jesus had already healed a leper. And so they had hope in their hearts. They realized that Jesus could heal them. And so they're lifting up their voices today. And what does that represent? It represents people that are praying. They're asking God for help. And they might not know the exact form of how to pray, but I'm telling you, they're crying out to God. And when that cry of suffering comes up to God's ears, friends, He cannot but just simply help. And when they cry out to Him, He always hears. It's a cry, it's a prayer for healing, a prayer for forgiveness, a prayer of repentance. And so let's come back to the story. Luke chapter 17 and verse 14. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. It's so interesting. Why would Jesus ask them to go and show themselves to the priests? You see, it was actually required by law. In the Old Testament, the priests, they were the ones who would examine those who had leprosy or those who had any sort of sickness in general, and they were the ones that would determine whether they were clean or not, whether they would be allowed to go back to their homes, whether they would be allowed to be integrated back into society. So this was not just in regards to leprosy, but pretty every much, every disease. And they were the ones that would give the final verdict as whether they could come back into the camp. And look, in Leviticus chapter 14, actually, if you take time to read the whole chapter, you will find that it is really talking about leprosy and, and whether the, the person is pronounced clean or unclean. But we're just going to read two verses from there. Leviticus chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. This is what the Bible says. This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought unto the priest, and the priest shall go forth out of the camp, and the priest shall look, and behold, if the plague of leprosy be healed in the leper. So the priest was very much involved in whether this person would be allowed to come back into society with the rest of the nation or not. He would give the final verdict. He would judge the person and declare this person either clean or unclean. He had the final say. And so this is the reason why Jesus is asking them, show yourself to the priest. Go and let him have a look at you. And you know, in the New Testament, this was still the practice. This is what we read in Mark chapter 1, and this is after how, after how Jesus heals that leper in verse 40. 
and to 43, um, Jesus says this in Mark 1, 44, And saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. So Jesus, he even asked this leper also to go and show himself to the priest. Jesus, even whilst he was alive on earth, still yet followed the laws of Moses as he wrote it out in regards to how involved the priest would be to be clean or unclean. And look, he was not opposed to the laws of Moses when he was alive on this earth. He still upheld it. He still followed the sanctuary laws. And it was only at the cross that the law of Moses would be done away with. And that's the reason why today we don't need to go to the sanctuary to kill a lamb every time we sin and want to ask for forgiveness of sins. Jesus is the lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. He is the one that has replaced all those sanctuary services. And so we don't need to do any of that today. But Jesus, while he was alive on earth, yes, he said, go show yourself to the priest. He is the one that will give the final verdict as to say whether you are allowed back into society today or not. But what does the priest represent today? You're probably thinking Jesus, right? But no, it's Jesus connecting the sinner with the church. Not that the church has any power to cleanse a person. The priest would not be the one that would say, I'm going to make you clean. And it's not to say that the church has any healing virtue. All that healing virtue is found in Christ. And not even to say that the church has power to determine whether a person is clean or unclean today or not. But this just shows the high regard that Jesus has for his church today. We cannot underestimate the importance of church and fellowship and being present at church and not just for coming together and worshiping on a particular day or uh, having that worship with others of the same belief, but also the need for reclaiming the sinner, to integrate the sinner back into into a good environment, so to speak. The support that is also needed to help them to remain faithful to God. Friends, we cannot underestimate the importance of having fellowship and support from the church. I know sometimes we find that we get discouraged when we come to church as well. But friends, you got to remember, the church is not perfect. It's full of people that are struggling. It's full of people that are wanting something better and wanting a life of Christ or, or, or living a life in Christ Jesus. But we need that support. We need that fellowship. We need that coming together to feed and help that sinner grow and overcome the world and all that they're, that they're struggling with, but also to teach them about the love of Christ. And so Jesus says, go, show yourself to the priest, get integrated back into society. And so the lepers, they take off and they start running towards the temple. And what happens as they start running in that direction, what actually happens, friends? The Bible says that they are healed. 
and the word of God was that which healed them. Not because they went that they were healed. Now, there was no virtue, healing virtue in their action. But friends, there is a really, really important message in this as well. Look, it shows also the part that we are to play in our own healing. There must be an element of faith and belief in the words of Jesus if we want to be made whole. We are saved by grace through faith. We have to believe the word of God, but just believing is not enough. Look, the men, when they started to turn around and go towards the temple, it showed that they had belief in the words of Jesus, that they actually believed what he was saying. Go show yourself to the priests at the temple there. And look, when when they heard the word of Christ, they could have stood there and go, hmm. They could have looked down at their hands and their arms and their body. I'm still a leper. They knew that the purpose of going to the priest was to declare them clean or unclean. And it's like, I I still have leprosy. What's the point of me going to the priest when I still have leprosy? What's the point of me going? I'm still sick. They could have just stood there and stood there. And friends, this is the point. Had they just stood there and never moved, they would have never been healed. Do you see that? In the process of going, they were healed. Had they doubted the word of Christ and stood there and waited for something to happen to their flesh, nothing ever would have happened. So even though they might have said they believed the word of Christ, but if they never went, they would have never been healed. Friends, there needs to be evidence of our faith as well. Just putting up your hand and saying, yes, 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 I believe every word that you say is not enough. Ah, yes, 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 I believe every word of God that you've taught me is not enough. Where is the evidence of your faith? True faith will always give true works. The belief that Jesus asks for is not just a confession or or an acknowledgement of what we hear. He expects action. Let me give you some examples. Naaman in the Old Testament, when he heard the word from um, Elisha and his servant, really, it wasn't even Elisha, it was through his servant to go wash in the River Jordan, he could not believe it and he wasn't going to do it. But the fact that he actually went into the water and he was finally healed, there was no healing virtue in the water in and of itself. Anyone else that dipped themselves seven times would not have been healed as well. But as he believed the word that was given to Elisha from God, that as he followed those instructions, he was healed. The blind man that was commanded to go and wash in the pool after Jesus put clay on his eyes, he went and in the process of washing, he was healed. There was no healing virtue in the clay, in Jesus' spit to make the clay wet and put in his eyes. There was no healing virtue in the water. It was all found in the word of God, the instruction that Jesus gave. And so that instruction, have you heard, you've heard me say this many times, friends, the instruction, the command then became a promise. 
the woman that believed that, that had the, the issue of blood for 12 years, as she believed that if she would touch Jesus and she would be healed, then she was healed. There, there was no healing virtue in the robe of Christ. As we saw, Peter said, so many people are touching you, Jesus. What do you mean? You see that? But she had faith that combined with her action, she was healed. Peter, when he heard the words of Jesus in the middle of the storm on the boat, and Jesus asked him to step out of the boat, had he stood there, he would have never walked on water. Only as he stepped out of the boat was he able to walk on water. Friends, our belief, our faith, it requires action. It requires us to prove the evidence that we have faith in the words that we are reading. Saying, okay, okay, I believe, it is not enough. Friends, what does your belief lead you to do? Because you can say, I believe, and you don't do anything about it. It means you really don't believe. Do you see that? It means you really don't have faith. It really means you don't have that evidence of love for Christ. It's so easy to say, yes, I love Jesus, but do you really? Remember though, we're not healed and made whole in any action that we must that, that we do, but there must be application that comes from our belief. Look at this. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Do you see that? There's a work for us to do. But then verse 13, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Friends, as we begin to apply the words that we hear and we read, God begins to work in us. The fact that we're able to be more than overcomers through Jesus Christ is not because of any strength that I have of my own self, but that Jesus said, go and sin no more. And so when I try, God, He tops up the 90% that we're really far short of. In our own strength, we will be utter failures. We would not be able to have any victory in and of ourselves. We would not be able to change our lives whatsoever. The power only comes from Jesus Christ. And as He gives us the victory, we are putting into practice those words. It's what we call salvation by cooperation. A man or woman will never be saved or experience victory by just sitting there and crossing their arms, waiting for, for some show to happen before they'll move forward and believe Christ. No, friends, when faith springs up in our hearts, it begins to bear fruit immediately. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10, look at this. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And many of us, we just stop there. We are saved by grace, not by works. But look at what happens when a person is saved by grace. Verse 10. For we are His workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus unto what? Good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Friends, when a person is saved by grace through faith, you see, that's the believing part, we're created an, as a new creature unto what? 
good works. There will be evidence in the life that the man or woman has been saved by grace through faith because their works are different. Our words are different. The places we go are different. The life that we choose to live gives total evidence that we have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. Look at this, James chapter 2, verse 17. You know these verses, they're familiar with you. James 2, 17, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Friends, true faith has works. True faith has works. A man cannot say, I have faith and no works, because true faith will always has works that accompanies it. And so there must be evidence of our faith today. When that faith is planted in our hearts, it will spring up and will bear fruit. We cannot keep silence. There will be corresponding works and action. And so remember, these men, they heard the word of Jesus. Go and show yourselves to the priests. Let them be the ones that will judge. And so they turned around and set their face as a flint to go towards the temple to show themselves to the priest. And as they are running that direction, guess what? They healed. Had they stood there, remember, they would not have been healed. Had they stood there and waited for the word of Jesus to wash over them and make them whole, nothing would have happened, friends. It was in the process of turning around, running towards the temple, that they were made whole. Now, let's look at the next verse of the story, Luke 17, 15 to 16. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. It's interesting that the Bible then mentions that he was a Samaritan, as if it had to hit home very clearly, this guy was not a Jew, meaning the others must have been Jews. Why would Jesus ask them to show themselves to the priest, right? I mean, if they were all Samaritans, they would have run off to their temple that they were worshipping in. But no, these people ran off without a hesitation to show themselves to the priest because they all believed in the same faith as what Christ was referring to when Moses said, you got to show yourself to the priest for he is the one that will declare whether you're clean or unclean. If they were all Samaritans, the priests wouldn't even entertain their presence if they weren't those Jews, right? So what's interesting is, it is only this Samaritan that recognizes that he is healed and comes back and gives thanks to Jesus. It's not that the others did not recognize that they were healed. Look, all of a sudden, the pain that you, you have, you know, you're probably hobbling off or, you, you, you know, the, the lepers, they lived in pain. It was eating away at their flesh. And all of a sudden, you're running and running and you feel no pain anymore. The, the fresh air that would, would brush against the open wounds that were festering on your flesh, the, suddenly that, that, that fresh pain and, and blowing of the air on the wound is gone. They don't feel hurtful or bad anymore. And so look, if they didn't know they were healed in the process, they must have understood it. 
you know, at least when they reached the priest, they would have definitely known that they were healed. But yet it is the Samaritan, the only one that is healed and he turns back and thanks and praises Jesus. What does that mean for us today, friends? Could it be that it is more of the non-Christian that is more grateful to God that the, for the gifts that are rendered than the actual Christians are, even though they are the ones that know where the gift and the blessing comes from? Have we gotten used to living in God's presence that we don't recognize that every breath we take is a gift from God? Have we taken for granted the blessings that God has bestowed upon us? We've gotten used to a routine in our lives, in waking up at a certain time, and that we fail to understand that it is God that keeps our hearts beating and our breath going in and out. Have we forgotten that God is the giver of all great blessings? In James chapter 1 and verse 17, the Bible says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You know, friends, the fact that you are healthy, the fact that you don't have a body that's full of disease is a testament that, that, that God is good. What are your praises? Friends, it's so important to give praises. Why? It's so important to recognize that the God of the universe who loves us and so much and blesses us with so many good things in our lives, if we learn to praise God on a regular basis or even just write out our praises, we would never turn our backs on Him. Do you know that? It's like a man who every day looks for five things to praise about his wife. You know that man, he would never commit adultery. He would never commit fornication. He would always ever love her because he always keeps the best of her thoughts in his mind about her goodness, about how wonderful she is, about how great she is. It would change his marriage. It would be sweet. And if we would do that with God, friends, it would change our relationship with God as well. We would ever be conscious that He is by our side, guiding us and protecting us and blessing us. It's so important to give praises. Please, friends, if you've not shared a praise yet, please write down at least one praise. You know, I've not been doing it for the Sekis over there because uh, I've been on leave so far and I've just been staying away from all, all things related to church so far. But I'm so thankful that in our church chat, we've got this 10-day challenge on being thankful and grateful to God. But it is my practice every day as much as possible to write down five praises for the past day. Five praises. And sometimes I write more. Friends, you know, what's the opposite of giving thanks? What's the opposite of being grateful? It is murmuring and complaining. You know, if the Israelites had kept before them the, the, the miracle of the Red Sea, if they had been thankful every day for the miracle of the manna that fell every single morning to feed them, they would never murmur or complain. If they would learn to give thanks every day, they would have not have complained until the point where God had to remove His protecting care against them. 
if we would learn to be thankful even for the little miracles in life, we would realize how wonderful a God we serve. But the Israelites, they soon forgot. They forgot. And you know, friends, we have to have this spirit. We've got to cultivate it, this spirit of thanksgiving. You know, at the beginning, writing down five praises was not easy. I had to sit there and really think five praises every day. And this is so important for my health. You know why? I'm naturally a person who's pessimistic. I like to look at the worst of life many times. And and it's not good. It makes me get doubtful to God, get angry to God, to blame God and blame people for so many things. But friends, if we would cultivate this habit of thanksgiving, which doesn't come naturally, I'm telling you, friends, it does not come naturally. If we did that, you know what we would be doing? We're actually sharing the gospel. We're sharing the good news about how great a God and a wonderful God we had. The person who was, uh, who, who was possessed with this demon when he came out of the cave and ran after Jesus and Jesus healed him. He wanted to go with Christ and Jesus said, no, go back and just simply tell how, how good a God I've been to you. How what what has happened to you? Your personal testimony. And he just went around sharing how how good God was to him. Is it any wonder that the gospel suffers? Have we become so insular and so focused on self and self-pity that we forget to praise God for everything that he's blessed us with? And when little things don't go our way, we get upset and we get angry and we get annoyed. And I say this not because I'm perfect, but because, friends, so often I find, I find myself being exactly like that as well. We have to cultivate a spirit of thanksgiving. It's not any wonder that we become so ungrateful. Friends, if God's mercies are new every morning, then the praises should be new every morning as well. And the Samaritan? he recognized the blessing of God and he came back to give glory to Jesus. Friends, what are your praises? What are you thankful for today? Surely, God is good to everyone. Surely, God has blessed you. And look, maybe you're shy to share But friends, that should not stop you from giving praise to God. Maybe it's so small you think it's insignificant, but you know what, friends? God is good in the big things as well as in the little things. I'm thankful that that my son, he's finally much better from his operation from last week. It was a minor surgery, and I'm so thankful we went to the doctor yesterday and that nothing there was no complication. The healing of the, the wounds where he made the incision were, were, were pretty much healed. You know, these little things, we can be thankful to God every day. We got to cultivate the spirit of thanksgiving and praises. And you know, we've end here in Luke 17. Verses 17 to 19, the Bible says, And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. 
Thy faith has made you whole. Jesus asked, where are the other nine? He's probably a bit disappointed. You know, it's not that he needed to have some sort of thanksgiving and some sort of self-edification that he had done a good work. No, friends. But the people, they forgot. Those nine, they forgot. And they would soon forget to be faithful to God later on as well. But they took their healing for granted. You know, friends, could it be that nine Christians out of ten are just really ungrateful today? Could it be that we have forgotten God's grace towards each and every one of us? Could it be that it's just we've taken for granted the blessings of the gospel? But today, friends, today God wants to remind us the importance of praise, the importance of giving glory back to God. For the sake of that one Samaritan, Jesus knew what was going to happen. For the sake of that one Samaritan, Jesus healed all ten. For the sake of that one man, Jesus was willing to bear with the other nine of their ungratefulness because this one was willing to come back and share his thanksgiving and praise. Friends, you know, we... We, we, we forget that our, our faith it overflows in blessing to other people. It's not that the others had no faith, but it seems that Christ ties faith to praising God because it is only by the eye of faith we can see how the hand of God moves in each and every one of our lives. It is only by faith as we look through the gospel and then we look at it and we allow it to shine on our life. Do we see how good God is to each and every one of us? It was a faith of that man that he was made whole. He believed the word of Christ. And as he began to run off, he recognized the blessing. And he came back to praise God. Friends, we're at the end of our study, but it's not too late to share a praise. You know, I said it before, at the beginning of our, our, our pandemic over one year ago, there were so many praises. People were th- praising God for so many things. But friends, have you waned in your thanksgiving? Have, has this life become a new normal that you've already settled into, that you're used to already, that it's just this way and uh, there's nothing to thank God for anymore? Friends, please, Let us learn to share our praises and give glory back to God. Let us bow our heads. Father in heaven, oh Lord, please forgive us. So often we are ungrateful. We're unmindful of the blessings. And it's not because we don't see it as a blessing, but it's because we don't see it that you are the one that blessed us. We think that we did it on our own. We think we are the ones that were able to bring this blessing to ourselves. Lord, forgive us where we've taken the glory to ourselves. But this evening, we want to recognize that you are our God. We want to recognize that your mercies extend towards the deepest of our sins. And Lord, we want to recognize that we are unworthy of any of your blessings. But you love us so much. 
that you pour these blessings upon us. Even in the sunshine and in the rain, Lord, you are with us and blessing us always. Father, open our eyes tonight to help us to see clearly, to help us to see Jesus, to help us to see the author of all our blessings. And so please, continue to guide us. And even those, especially who might be going through trials right now, maybe they can't see any blessings. Lord, help them to pause in the midst of their their trial and think how you are such a good God. And then strengthen them, Lord, to carry them through this trial as well. And so, Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you. We praise you for being a wonderful and merciful God. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.